This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We start off tonight with Bold Venture, starring two of the biggest stars of the silver screen, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. We'll get to the show in just a moment, but first, a recap on how these two actors got together. From rousing games of ping-pong to some of the most passionate kisses we've ever seen on screen, Lauren Bacall and Humphrey Bogart truly did seem to have it all, just like the song says. She was only 19 when they met, and he was 25 years her senior. But from the moment Humphrey Bogart asked Lauren Bacall to write her number on a matchbox in 1944, it was on. The duo married a year later and joined one of the most legendary, albeit short-lived, love stories in Hollywood history. He died of cancer in 1957 when she was only 32. Together, Bogie and Bacall made four films, two children, and left countless mementos of their intense, instantaneous connection. Film historian Leonard Malton says that their relationship was one of these instances where it's quite possible that we are eyewitnesses to an actor or actress falling in love. And while good actors make us believe that all the time, there has to be some extra kick when it's real. Now here's the premise of tonight's show. Salty Sea Dog, Slate Shannon, played by Bogart, owns a Cuban hotel, Shannon's Place, sheltering an assortment of treasure hunters, revolutionaries, and other shady characters. With his sidekick and ward, the sultry Sailor Duval, played by Lauren Bacall, tagging along, he encounters modern-day pirates and other tough situations while navigating the waters around Havana. Aboard his boat, the bold venture, Slate and Sailor experience adventure, intrigue, mystery, and romance in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Calypso singer King Moses provided musical bridges by threading plot situations into the lyrics of his song. Music for the series was by David Rose. The episode tonight, Sailor is a Wealthy Widow. Bold Venture. Adventure, intrigue, mystery, romance, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Together in the sultry setting of tropical Havana and the mysterious islands of the Caribbean. Bold Venture. again, the magic names of Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall bring you Bold Venture and a tale of mystery and intrigue.
<laughs> uh, what'll I think of next? Late, what do you think you're doing? Don't bother me, sailor. With innkeeper comes certain inalienable rights. The right to hold the guest's mail up to the light and peek into their secrets. From these rights can come bruised peepers. You gonna blab it around, sailor? Emilio was that ship's mate who checked in here six months ago. When he shipped out, he left explicit instructions. I was to open his mail, get a few chuckles, then forward it. Then why don't you just open it instead of holding it you up? Break the... me in two. I like to tease myself. You got problems. I got problems. All of Anna's children got problems. I got dreamy a little while ago. Strayed through the mementos in my hope chest. You know what? What? The gun is gone. No. That little revolver you gave me last Valentine's Day. That twenty-five caliber Colt. Gone. Vanished. Missing. Stolen. Purloined. Sailor, that gun was our song. That little souvenir of blue steel was... I will grieve later, sailor. A customer approaches. Good day, sir. Welcome to Shannon's place. Room 350. Step aside, sir. Permit me one long, lingering look at this vision so many years lost, at this comely, beauteous, fair, and ravishing... You heard the customer slate. Step aside. Go on, sir. Prithee, pray do. I wander the world for a glimpse of you. There's no memory of me left in you. No remembrance of me. Well, Freddy, nay. Freddy, your husband. Huh? You lost a gun, you find a husband. This is your red-letter day, sailor. Darling, don't you recall the elopement from moonlit Biarritz? The highway that skirted the sea? The marriage at Joan Le Pin? The little French charwoman who was your bridesmaid? You don't recall, beloved? No, Freddy, I don't. It's sure thrilling. Next chapter, please, so I can curl up with it. And then your sudden farewell at the Bois in Paris. The autumn leaves, the search. Now you're healthy, well, comfortable. All I needed to know. It will sustain me through desolate years. Au revoir, Shelley. Au revoir. Gee, always a bride, never a bridesmaid. Slate, why are you looking at me like that? You don't believe A man it. says he's your husband. A man ought to know about things like that. You can't be sick, Slate. You think I'd misplace a husband? Did you? No. Don't look at me like that, Slate. I said no. All right, if that's what you want me to believe, I believe you. Forget it. All we have to do is call Inspector LaSalle. Tell him this phony is... Be a nice girl and allow me my mood, sailor. Get your hands off me. Get them off. <laughs> Mark? Mark, wake up. Mark, please. Don't jiggle the chassis, pretty boy. It'll upset the fine balance I've struck between me and the Havana sun. Oh, feel that sun, Freddy boy. Let it run through your fingers. Mark, I went there like you told me. I told that Miss Duval everything you told me to tell her. That I married her in France, that she left me. That I've been looking for her all these years, just like Tell you said. Tell me, boy, did it jerk tears, your performance? You're a sad thing. The tears must have been jerked. I don't know what it did or why you wanted it. All I know is I want the bonus you promised me. You doubt I'll give it to you, Freddy boy? You doubt a tender soul like me when I fed you, clothed you, filled your pockets with nickels for extras? 
So you could live this moment with that tangy Miss Duval? You promised me, Mark. You promised. And if I am nothing, I am a keeper of promises, Freddy boy. Uh, this. This little gun. Small caliber. Of a size to grow warm and misty in a girl's hand. For you, Freddy. The sun touched you, Mark. I phony for you and I get a lousy lady pistol. What do I do? Get six bucks for it from a native pawn? That's what to do with it, Freddy boy. Die from it. That makes you happy, huh? I'm talking to you, Slate. What's the matter? You hate yourself because you didn't stop fast enough and I didn't go through the windshield? Get out of the Jeep. Okay, okay. Slate, listen to me, will you? For three days now, you've been acting like I'm off limits. Is this friendly? There he is, sailor. Inspector LaSalle. He called you. He wants to see you. You got the man who says he's your husband. I've been saving it up for that joker. Hi, LaSalle. Buenos dias to you both. Please come with me. Into here. What's this all about, LaSalle? Why do you want us here at headquarters? I told you on the phone. About it is a man named Freddy Ney. He claim it to the title of husband to you, Senorita Duval. In here, please. This is the morgue, sir. In here. A suggestion to you, Senorita. Take a handkerchief from wherever and start to twist it. Is this the man who said he was your husband? Yes. Yes, that's him. This man was identified from his prints. He was found shot to death in a room at 27 Pavano. A 25 caliber bullet in his heart. Such a caliber as a woman might use, senorita. The truth, if you will be so kind as to turn over a leaf. Is this man your husband? No. Adios to the two of you. Corpses and murders I make my living with. And always in my bushy hair is you and you. Get out. Baffle me, Slate. You get thin-lipped because I've suddenly got a husband I never married. Then you take me walking in dirty hallways. A regular baffler, you. Your boy was killed in this house. Any man who says he's a husband of yours deserves a better fate than that, sailor. Take the long view, kid, and the whole thing is very peaking. You broken down, my boy. You still think that he's... I never think, sailor. I just ask the management. Go away, please. No vacancy. You're wrong, manager. The room where Freddie Ney was killed. That's vacant. See, the police made to me a suggestion. They say to me, don't rent Senor Ney's room, Pecho. Pecho is me. A sucker for suggestions with no vacancies. You know anything about it, Pecho? Who killed Freddie? Maybe you know who visited him before he died. Motto of this house, senor. No snooping from the management. The secret of Pecho's success. No vacancies. Goodbye. No vacancies, huh? Only in his head. Look who's pointing a finger. Come on, let's find out what makes you so married. (laughs) 
want you to know how much I appreciate you doing all this for me, Slate. Running around, banging on doors, asking questions. Just for me. Makes a girl glow. Look at me, Slate. Like me when I'm glowing? Why don't you go home? It worries you, doesn't it? About Freddie Nay. About the murder. About my being mixed up in it. It really does worry you, huh, Slate? Now look, Sailor, the only reason I'm running around like this is because I've got a clinical interest in what's happened. I'm taking notes on it. Someday I'm going to write a book. I'm going in here for material. Go home. Sure. I'll put myself in the window for you, Slate. And I'll still be glowing. Hurry up home. Hiya, Maria. What do you want here, Slate Shannon? <laughs> What's the matter with you? I ask a question of you, Slate Shannon. What do you want? I ask you one, too. What's the matter with you? Where's the big hello? Maria and her palace of jollies have for you only the smallest hello that can be had. You see, I put my one finger over my thumb like so. The space between the hello from me to you. Look, all I want to do is ask you a question, Maria. I'm trying to get some information about a man named Freddy... About a murdered man named Freddy Nay, see? That's right. Uh, I will tell you. The whispers in the barrio says that Senor Nay is such a man as to be beloved by your sailor Duval, to be married to her. And this you could not stand, huh? So you kill him. Friends of man who kill for such a reason are not friends of mine. Now, just take it easy for a minute, Maria. I want... And you will get from Maria this. The big goodbye. Goodbye, Slick Shannon. I am sorry, ma'am, but Mr. Duval is not at the hotel at the moment. The moment just arrived, King Moses. I'm here. A lady on the phone wishes to talk to you, Lady Sailor. Here, give it to her. Mr. Val speaking. This is Wanda Webster, Mr. Val. Agent from Zapato Insurance Company. I hate to bother you at such a time. No bother at all. No insurance at all, either. Well, it's been nice. Yes, it is. $50,000 nice, Mr. Val. Or do you call yourself Mrs. Nay? I wouldn't know. What are you talking about? The policy on your husband, Freddie Nay. I'm handling it. You're the beneficiary, you know. $50,000. I'll have a check along in a day or so. Goodbye. Hey, wait a minute. Hello, hello. King. Yes, Miss Saylor? I never had a husband in my life. But shake hands with a wealthy widow. Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, and the second act of our story. (laughs) 
Oh, I could tell you things that would make you swoon Of tales that are told neath the blood-red moon Of very strange times, events so weird In frozen climes and deserts seared But the strangest one I tear my hair Concerns Lady Sailor, a maid so fair She gets without benefit of usual clergy Fifty thousand bucks, widow's beneficiary. Sing that last line again, King. Fifty thousand bucks, widow. Oh, that's it, uh, fifty thousand dollars, King. I can't touch that money. That fifty thousand's not mine. Into each life a little rain must fall, sailor. A maxim I learned at the feet of a wise man at the foot of a mountain in lower Tibet. What fifty thousand? Tell him, King. Fifty thousand bucks, widow's beneficiary. You kiddies want to play games, I'll draw you a hopscotch ring. Or you want to tell me about $50,000? I got a phone call a little while ago. A nice voice said I inherited that much money. What is this, sailor? How do I know what it is? The nice voice said I was going to get a check because my husband was dead. Because he left an insurance policy for $50,000. Who called you and told you about all this money? She said her name was Wanda Webster, an agent for Zapata Insurance Company. Oh. Well, stay here, sailor. I'm going to find out why you stand still and somebody drops $50,000 on your head. I looked through your house, Wanda girl. You weren't there. So then I closed my eyes and I thought to myself, where would a woman of such beauty and form hide herself? On the beach, I said to myself, where a thousand eyes can admire her. I sell more insurance this way. Liability, life, fire. Take a deal, Mark. Enjoy me. Hmm. You notified the bereaved widow of her solace. $50,000 worth. When she started spluttering on the phone, I hung up on her. Splattering widows bore me. Oh, that girl Duval. To kill her own husband and with her own gun, too. Shameless. Good boy like Freddy, who never harmed anyone. He finally makes history because I issue a policy on him. Make that Duval girl his wife and beneficiary. Easy. Easy because the Potter Insurance Company gave me a gold watch once. For loyalty. She shouldn't have used her own gun. Mm. Leaves her so open to blackmail. Her a murderer, and with only $50,000 to her name. Oh, but you'll lift her burden, Mark. It was written in the stars, Wanda, for me to do that. Well, share it with Wanda. Kathy's. Uh, hand me my rat, Mark, will you? The beach has had me. Well, part of the time I was doing that, miss, the other part, in between buzzes, that is, I was watching you walk up the beach. You'll forgive me if I ran down your battery. The thing got out of hand. If you're looking for a quick charge, there's a service station up the road. Me, I just sell insurance. That's a dream I keep having. Insurance broker in a swimsuit. You work on small commissions, huh, lady? The step's 20 bucks a yard. I have these suits custom-made. 
Now, if you step inside my office, I could... I could diagram a little annuity plan. Sorry, but I, I got an insurance agent that's been recommended to me. Wanda Webster. Big operator. Handles stuff like $50,000 death benefits. Well, don't look anymore, mister. Wanda's all around you. Come on in. I'll just tag along behind. Go ahead, Miss Webster. Over there. That big leather chair. It's made for boys who get uneasy about $50,000 payments. Zapato's a big company, Mr. Um, Mr. Uh... Slate Shannon. Zapato's a big company, Mr. Shannon. The largest in Mexico City. All my years of representing them, I, I find it's not unusual that they make death payments in that amount. To a widow who never saw her husband? Didn't even marry him? You and Zapato are really big, Miss Webster. Generous, too. Oh, you're referring, of course, to Mr. Val. Or rather, the widow, Nay. Well, this is a photostat copy of the policy, Mr. Shannon. Bought by Freddie Nay from me. Beneficiary, Mrs. Freddie Nay, also known as Sailor Duval. Death benefit, $50,000. Look for yourself. Yeah, look, Miss Webster, I don't know what's... What's to know? Mr. Nay is dead. Your Miss Duval gets 50000 for it. The check's on the way from Mexico. That way out, Mr. Shannon. Anybody here? Welcome, sir, to Shannon's place. You, Sailor Duvall? Did you want something? Yeah, I want something. Like what? Like a chat with Sailor Duvall. So, chat. I have got here a little thing, Miss Duvall. Recognize it? Hey, that's my gun. That's right. Long time ago, I hired a man to lift a gun in Havana, and he did it to you. Well, well. Who are you, mister? A man with a message. Here's the message, honey. Sign it. With that gun in my eyes, I can't see it. Squint. The things you learn. Hey, this paper is an I.O.U. to somebody named Mark Stewart for $50,000. And guess what? I'm Mark Stewart. This gun, your gun, killed Freddie Nay. You're going to come into fifty grand any minute. The word is blackmail, honey. I lose the gun, you lose 50000 Else, you know what's going to happen? Yeah, it's kind of sneaking up on me. Sign it. Else you'll commit suicide out of remorse for killing hubby Freddy. Now take the pen, honey. That's right. Now sign. Thanks. Gee, you're nice. On the beach, Slate. That's where you have to be to tell me what frolics went on between you and that Wanda Webster? Yeah. Maybe the tropic breezes will blow a memory back into your head. She showed me the policy sailor, the one Freddie Nay took out making you beneficiary. Look, Buster, why all the bitter? You keep telling me I'm a rich girl now. So talk nice to me, and some of it might rub off on you. Talk nice. That's what you've been doing, sailor, while I was out, making a list of charities? Yeah, just that. A poor fellow walks in and says, Look, lady, I ain't killed anybody in I don't know how long, so would you please help out with 50 grand? What are you talking about? That Wanda stuff your ears with olives. I'm talking about Mark Stewart, the guy who held a gun on a line with my eyes. This eye, this one here. 
and made me sign an IOU for $50,000. And you did it, huh? Sure, I'm not cheap. You did something else, too, sailor. Yeah. After he left, I started my breathing exercises again. Practice good, sailor. You just signed a confession of murder. This is where you had your big moment with that insurance agent, huh? Up the steps, killer. Push the buzzer. Watch me. Just watch me. On some bells, I can play Dixie. Hi, Shannon. Oh, and you, poor dear, you must be Mrs. Nay. Or Sailor Duval, or what shall I call you? You can call me Morton if you want. I try to get along. There's a check waiting for you, Morton. Come on in. Slate, she likes me. Yeah. Go in, will you? When did the check come, Wanda? Oh, about 15 minutes ago. Special delivery, airmail. In here, my office. I want you to meet somebody. Him. Mark Stewart. He and I have already met, haven't we, Mr. Stewart? Oh? When did this happen, Mark? Some time back. I stopped in the lobby of their hotel to buy a newspaper. Fibber. This the boy you were telling me about, Sailor? The very one. Well, any friend of yours is my friend, too. Now, let's all us friendly people get on with it, huh? I hate to be crass at a moment like this, but I think we'll just take our 50 grand and blow. Except there's something you people might not realize. I can't let you have the check. Because you've got this to consider. This gun. Her gun. The one that killed Freddie Nay. This a blackmail bit, Wanda? How much of this check do you people get? All of it. Endorse it, honey. Should I, Slate? Endorse it, sailor. Thanks. I'll take that. Joker. Oh, I forgot to tell you something, Wanda. It was just a little while ago that I paid a call on Miss Duval. I got her IOU for 50000 I guess I've got prior rights on the check. Oh, I don't care about that, honey. All I want is half. I doubt whether you'll get it, Wanda. You've also got a fine legal mind, Shannon. You've... Oh! Look! Poor Mark. Poor greedy Mark. You have to understand why I shot him. It makes the world a better place to live in. Now, um, give me that check, Mr. Val. How do you want it? All at once or a little at a time? Fool, give it to me. Don't tear it. Give that check. Hold on to me, Wanda. It's nicer. Let go of me. Let go. Get that gun, Sailor. Drop it, honey. It's my gun and I want it back. Thank you. $50,000. All that money, I... Slate, Slate, I've got the gun. You can let her go. Slate, I've got the gun. You can let her go. Slate! Don't flip, baby. I'm just giving her a memory to take to the pokey. Go call the cops, sailor. Our stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, will return in just a moment. (laughs) 
Hey, Slate! Slate! Oh, hello, sailor. What are you doing? What does it look like I'm doing? I'm swimming in the ocean. Swimming? In two feet of water? So it's two feet of water. What do you want me to do? Get out over my head and get the bends? Silly of me. Well, uh, how do you like it, Slate? I went to Wanda's tailor and had it custom made. Nice bathing suit, huh? Oh, that tailor did a nice job, all right. Nice material. Fine workmanship. Just fine. So you like the suit? You like me in it? Ah, let the air out of my water wings, sailor. I'm floating on my own tonight. And so our two stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, have brought to a close our latest Bold Venture story. Special music was composed and conducted by David Rose. May we invite you to listen again next week at this time for another exciting adventure starring... Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, together in Bold Venture. Stay tuned for My Favorite Husband, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now it's time for Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband. In 1948, she took a starring role in the radio comedy in which she played the scattered brain wife of a Midwestern banker. In 1950, CBS came knocking with the offer of turning it into a television series. After convincing the network brass to let Desi play her husband and to sign over the rights to and create a control over the series to them, work began on the most popular and universally beloved sitcom of all time. But let's go back to those radio days when she and George would get the laughs with episodes like this on My Favorite Husband. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Hello, everybody. Yes, it's the new Gay Family series starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. J-E-L-L-O, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tapioca puddings. Yes, sirree. And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper. Two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers tonight, we see a romantic little family scene. Liz and George are having dinner by candlelight. Oh, isn't this romantic, dear? I just love eating by candlelight, don't you? Well, I could stand just a wee bit more light. What for? I haven't found my plate yet. (laughs) Oh, stop. I've been passing food to someone over there. Well, let's turn on the lights and see who it is. Oh, George, you have no soul. Why can't you be sentimental like I am? I am. Honestly, honey, I love eating by candlelight. You do? Yes. You look so radiant. I could just sit and gaze at you all night with your face picking up the soft glow of the candlelight. That's the pot roast, George. I'm over here. (laughs) I was just kidding, honey. I really love candlelight. It's wonderful. 
Now what are you doing? I'm feeling for the gravy. I found it. Oh, what's the use of fighting it? I'll turn the lights on. Oh, there you are. Oh, George. Oh, honey, baby. Now, what are you crying about? We were just having fun. I wanted this to be such a wonderful evening for just the two of us, and now it's all loused up. Oh, no, it isn't, baby. It is, too, and I know why. I know, honey. It's my fault. No, it isn't. The whole thing happened because I walked under a ladder this morning. Now, Liz, that didn't have anything to do with it. It did, too. Honey, don't be silly. The dinner would have been just as bad if you hadn't walked under the ladder. What? I, uh, I mean, things would have gone wrong just the same. They would not. Liz, I thought we settled this ridiculous business of your believing in superstitions. We've had this discussion a thousand times. I know. Well, didn't I convince you that there's no basis to it? It's silly, sentimental, feminine nonsense. Yes, George. Now, you're never going to think about them again, are you? I promise. Goodness, I never believed in superstitions in my life, and I've never had any bad luck. Knockwood. Oh, I'm sorry, George. I just didn't want to break the spell. You said I haven't had any bad luck, and I thought, I hope he never does. And then I knocked on wood to make sure you won't, because if I didn't, you might, see? (laughs) I give up. Well, that was the last time, George. Really, really, I'm not superstitious. I'm not even plain everyday stitches. <laughs> well, that's better. <clears throat> Give me a goodbye to superstitions, kids, huh? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, you kiss good. Oh, thank you. Where'd you ever get those lips? In a surplus store. <laughs> they were part of a bugler's kit. <laughs> Silly. Ah, gee, George, you're so wonderful. I love you even when you're mad at me. And I hope you never change. I hope I never do either. Oh, (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. You do believe in it. Well, why take any chances, George? It doesn't hurt. Liz, I'm really disappointed to find such an attitude in an adult, intelligent woman. Who? (laughs) You. Oh, oh. Well, George, some superstitions are based on good common sense. Name one. Well, uh, if you walk under a ladder, it might fall on you. If a black cat walks in front of you, you might trip over it. Okay, okay, weak but acceptable. Now, will you explain knocking on wood? Uh. Well. Uh, ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> I, thought so. I know. If you knock on wood and a termite knocks back, you know the wood's no good. (laughs) Now, I want you to stop this whole silly business of superstitions and stop right now. George, you knocked the salt shaker over. Throw some over your left shoulder. No. Do it quick, George, or you'll have bad luck. Anybody want more coffee? Now, stop it, Liz. Uh, Give me some more coffee, please, Kate. Yes, sir. If you don't care about yourself, George, do it for me. I will not, and neither will anyone else around here. Am I the master of this house or not? Yes, master. Well, that's better. Well, look out, Mr. Cooper. Don't stand up. Coffee all over. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Cooper, but you hit my arm. (laughs) Well, it isn't your fault, Katie. (laughs) You see, that happened because you didn't throw the salt over your shoulder. You better throw it or it might affect Katie, too. Oh, no, I don't believe in that salt-throwing nonsense. 
Well, a sensible woman. You don't believe in it, Katie? No, and I've never had any bad luck, Knockwood. Oh. <laughs> Not you, too. Good girl, Katie. Oh, don't misunderstand me, Mrs. Cooper. I'm a wood knocker, but I'm not a salt thrower. <laughs> well, that's your privilege. I happen to be a wood knocker and a salt thrower. George, what's the matter? I'm trying to decide whether to be a maid knocker or a white thrower. <laughs> Will those bring good luck, too? Not to you, would not. Fine thing. After 11 years of marriage, I suddenly discover I'm living with a witch doctor. Oh. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Mrs. Cooper. I certainly heard you and Mr. Cooper talking late last night. You didn't hear me talking. That was George. All night long, I got a lecture on how stupid it is to believe in superstitions that have been handed down from the Dark Ages. Did he get rough? I heard a crash. No, no. That was demonstration time. He broke a mirror on the floor and stamped on it just to prove it didn't bring bad luck. My goodness. Is he coming down to breakfast? Yeah, he'll be here in a minute. He's bandaging his foot. <laughs> Oh, I'll get it, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, it's little Joanne Wood from next door. Come in, dear. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Mrs. Cooper. Hello, Joanne. How are you? Fine, thanks. How's your father? Fine, thanks. And your four sisters? Fine, thanks. And your six brothers? Fine, thanks. And your mother? Exhausted, thanks. <laughs> well, good morning, Mr. Cooper. Oh, hello, Joanne. My father asked me to return this umbrella. Oh, thanks. This doesn't look like our umbrella. Uh, let, let me open it and take a look. George, please, not in the house. Oh, Liz, I thought you were going to stop that silliness. But it's bad luck to open an umbrella in the house. She's right, Mr. Cooper. I opened an umbrella in the house once, and a few minutes later, I sprained my ankle. Oh, that was just coincidence. No, it wasn't. I used the umbrella for a parachute when I jumped off the piano. <laughs> you better quit while you're behind, George. No, you two. I'm going to prove to you once and for all that opening an umbrella in the house doesn't bring bad luck. George, don't open it, please. I'm just proving my point. Oh, my foot! Daddy wondered where that hammer was. <laughs> oh, poor George. It was your good foot, wasn't it? Yes. Isn't that hilarious? No, no, honest, I think it's awful you hurt both your feet. It just strikes me funny. Sorry about your foot, Mr. Cooper. Well, thank you, Joanne. At least somebody knows what I'm going through. I remember how my ankle hurt, but it hasn't bothered me in a long time, not wood. Oh, no! Something tells me you better leave, Joanne. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye, dear. Well, that wraps it up, Liz. I can't fight it. Yeah, we got a pretty strong union, haven't we? Look, j just let me calm down for a minute, will you? Then I've got a lot of work to do. Sure, you relax, George. I'll just sit here and read the paper. Mm -hmm. Gee, it was cold last night. Listen to this. Min, 48 degrees. Max, 65 degrees. The night before, it was warmer. Min 52, max 71. Hmm. George, why is it Min never gets as hot as Max? <laughs> What'd you say? I didn't say anything. Oh, listen. There's a cricket in the house. 
Oh, what else can happen? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, there he is in the fireplace. Well, at least we can see him. I'll get him with that newspaper. Oh, no, George, don't hurt him. Liz, let go of that paper. But he's good luck, George. You know, a cricket on the hearth. Hearth smart. Give me that paper. Oh, you murderer. Darn it, you stalled me so long he's gone. Hooray. Where is he? It sounds like he's on this side of the room. No. No, sounds like he's on the other side of the room. No, I can't find him. Oh, shut up! George, be friendly. Ask him nicely. Please, Mr. Cricket, George has work to do. Won't you please be quiet? <laughs> well, I'll be done. So will I. All it needed was a friendly tone, you see? Well, congratulations. Thank you. Go right ahead now. Now, do you mind if I do some work? No, I won't say a word. Let's see. Here's the Mitchell account. Uh, 14 and 18 are 32, and 12 is... 14 and 18 are 32, and 12 is... This is good luck, Alice. Now, George, he's just a little cricket, and he's not hurting you. Do your work. How can I do my work while he's sitting there bellowing at me? He's not bellowing. He's singing for you. You call that singing? Well, you rub your hind legs together and see if you can do better. (laughs) Oh, there he goes. Where? Out in the hall. I'll get him this time. Run for your life, little Jiminy. Where did he go? Do you see him, Liz? Maybe I do, and maybe I don't. Elizabeth, tell me. I'm no stool cricket. Shh, shh, there he is. Under the molding by the bathroom door. How will I get him out? I'll handle this. Okay, you cricket, come out with your hind legs up. Now, that was smart. You chased him under the door into the bathroom. Oh, I'll get him now. Just a minute, George. Don't go in there. He may be taking a bath. (laughs) Okay, Liz. Okay, you've made your choice. It's him or me. George, are you trying to tell me that from now on I'll be Mrs. George Cricket? No. No, I'm, I'm just telling you that a man can stand only so much. I'm giving you an ultimatum, Liz. I'm not coming back to this house until that Cricket is gone. George, you don't mean I do mean. You want me? I'll be at the club. But, George... Oh. Ah, you and your big, fat hind legs. Back to the Coopers and the big cricket hunt. Well, it's been two hours since George, the mighty hunter, gave up the chase and returned to his cricket blind. Liz is still hot on the trail. Here, cricket, cricket, cricket. Here, little cricket. Let's go bye-bye. Where are you? Haven't you any idea where he is, Mrs. Cooper? No, he muffled his legs and threw me off the trail. The last I saw of him was in the dining room. What was that crash I heard? Oh, I got mad and threw a plate at him. 
by Mrs. Cooper. Well, I wouldn't mind if he just sat there and cricked at me, but he gave me a great big raspberry. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, it made me so mad I called the exterminator. Good. Let's let the exterminator worry about it. Well, I'm going to give him one more chance to save his life. That is, if he's the type to go for a tin cricket. A tin cricket? Yeah, I had one left over from a Halloween party. See, here it is. Well, you don't think you can fool him with that, do you? No, I might. If this happens to have cricket sex appeal. Oh. <laughs> well, it's worth a try until the exterminator gets here. Now, let's tiptoe into the dining room. He might still be in there. I don't see him. Shh, 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 shh. There he is. Let's see if I can engage him in conversation. Let's go. Hmm. He doesn't answer. I'll try again. <laughs> Say, I think we've got his interest, Katie. I'll lead him on. I wonder what I'm saying to him. No answer. Maybe you were too fresh? No, I think he's playing hard to get. I'll really flirt with him. <clears throat> A cricket with rhythm. Oh, that was just a coincidence. Well, I'll try it again. <laughs> oh, no! I got a hold of the bebop king of the bug world. <laughs> oh, you're making it sound like that. He always gives two chirps. Oh, I'll get it. Hey, good afternoon. Did you call the Acme Exterminating Company? <laughs> I did. I'm Mrs. Cooper. Uh, how do you do? I'm how Mr. Acme. Well, what are we after? A pack of rats? A bunch of termites? A swarm of ants? It's a cricket. Yes, I heard of one cricket. Yes. One little, tiny, solitary cricket. Yes. You had me come all the way out here for one cricket. You didn't come alone, did you? You need every man you've got. This is super cricket. <laughs> well, you get stuck for a minimum charge anyway. Now, which room is he in? I'll give him a little DDT, and that will be that. <laughs> you think so, huh? Mm. Well, he's in this room someplace. He's over in that corner. It doesn't matter. I'll just spray this DDT bug bomb. <laughs> now we'll step out of the room until I count ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And that's the end of the cricket. Cricket! Oh, Cricky! I guess he's gone all right. That will be five dollars. Five dollars? Minimum charge, you know. Well, all right. <laughs> Hark! That's impossible. That cricket is dead. Well, maybe this is his ghost. He's going to haunt you. <laughs> Just a minute. No bug is going to make a fool out of me. I'll give him another dose. <laughs> oh, darn it. That's the last of the DDT. Well, I'll get him some other way. I have a tip for you. Don't waste your time with female impersonations. This kid's a jaded bachelor. What are you talking about? My decoy. I was flirting with him before. I was making like a lady cricket. 
Well, I have a tip for you. A female cricket doesn't make any noise. Good heavens. You mean I was just being one of the boys? (laughs) And I thought I was being so sexy. Yes. Uh, Now, do you mind if I apply science? No, go right ahead. I'll use my cunning, my knowledge of their habits. You may not know this, but crickets can't see from behind. This gives me an advantage. You mean you can? Uh, No, no. Oh, there he is now. I'll sneak up from the back with this empty jar. Now I softly but swiftly sneak up and get him like this. Clamp the lid on the jar and there he is. Looks like he's used his cunning, too. He's turned invisible. (laughs) I missed him. Well, he won't get away this time. You're going to use more science? No, science has failed. I hate to do this, but I've got only one choice. I'm going to resort to plan 4X. A deadly new insecticide? Worse than that. Atomic fission? Worse than that. Good heavens, what are you going to do? I'm going to smash him over the head with a mallet. (laughs) That's pretty primitive, old boy. I know, but think of the pleasure I'll get. That cricket is on his deathbed. Come on, he ducked under the bookcase in the hall. Help me move it. Look out, tilt it the other way. I'll handle it. But if you don't tilt it, all the books will fall. Out. Now look what you've done. It's all right, I'm insured. There he is on the lamp. I've got you now. Now, wait a minute. It's all right, I'm insured. There he is on that base. Uh, I know, you're insured. Stand still. I've got him. Where is he? Don't move. He's on your head. Wait a minute. It's all right, I'm insured. Yes, but I'm not. (laughs) Oh, now he's gone. There he is on the coffee table. Uh, Cheap furniture. I have a better plan. Let's dynamite the whole house. Come on, come on, come out. I dare you. Come out and fight like a man. Look, Mr. Acme, let's forget about plan 4X, shall we? Oh, ratting on me, eh? Well, after all, it's just a cricket. Oh, no, it isn't. It's grown past that. This is bigger than both of us. This is total war. Oh, for heaven's sake. There, there now. Every stick of furniture is out of the room. Close the door. But I... Close the door! Yes, sir. There are three of us in this room. Only two of us are leaving alive. I hope one isn't a cricket. (laughs) Quiet! (laughs) All right, my friend. What's going on here? Oh, George, am I glad to see you. What are you doing in here with my wife? It's all right, George. He's insured. What? <laughs> He's the exterminator. Uh, what does he exterminate? Furniture? Hello, Mrs. Cooper. Oh, hello, Joanne. What are you doing here? I lost my pet cricket, and Mr. Cooper said I'd find him over here. Your pet cricket? Yeesh. <laughs> Come here, Volo. 
How do you like that? He jumped right into her hand. Jumped right into her... <laughs> he jumped right into her... He jumped right into her... <laughs> well, Dad, cricket, Rollo. I'm going to put you to bed without any ice cream. Goodbye, everybody. Well, George, are you ready to admit that I'm right about superstitions? What? Don't you see? When you opened the umbrella, the hammer fell on you. When you broke the mirror, you cut your foot. And you have to admit the cricket and the hearth brought us good luck. Good luck? The house is a shambles. Well, sure, but we've always wanted the room redecorated, and now Mr. Acme's insurance company will pay for it. That's good luck, isn't it? Well, yes, and I hope it stays that way. Is that all you have to say? No, I, I hope it stays that way. Knock wood. Ha <laughs> ha, George! <laughs> yes, Lucille? Bob. I've always wondered what it would be like to be on one of those daytime serials. You know, those shows where they never finish a sentence. John's other thingamajig and what's it can be beautiful. <laughs> well, this is Radio Lucille. It's no sooner said than done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Listen now to Jell-O's Other Pudding. <laughs> when we left them yesterday, the Jell-O pudding family was gathered in the living room. The doctor was just breaking some news to them. Uh, I'm the doctor. Uh, Grandma Chocolate, I have something to tell you. It's, it's about your daughter, Butterscotch. You don't mean... Well... It isn't... Uh, well... Uh, then it's... Uh, well... Oh, I was afraid of that. What has Butterscotch got? That buttery brown sugar flavor. Oh, well, that's good. Oh, I'm so happy. That makes me feel absolutely luscious with deep-down chocolate, eh, goodness? And meanwhile, unbeknownst to Grandma Chocolate and Little Butterscotch, another Jell-O pudding is skipping up the driveway. Oh, I'm vanilla. I'm vanilla. I'm rich and smooth as cream. la di da di da da Oh, Grandma, I just had such an experience. Really, it was such. Ooh, what happened, dearie? Oh, the nicest man picked me off a shelf and took me home with him. No. Yes. What happened? <laughs> well, the nice man's wife said she always wanted a darling pudding just like me. And she fell in love with me because I cooked to Belvedere perfection in just about five minutes. Is that all? I mean, is that all? <laughs> no. No, they said wonderful things to me. They said I was nourishing, and they said a swell dessert for the kids, and they said I was delectable, and they said I'm, I'm, I'm crazy. Bill Hatch, get me out of it. Get me out. George, George, wake up. <clears throat> What's the matter? Listen. 
What's that? Well, it ain't Bing Crosby. <laughs> Did you wake me up so I could listen to that cat concert? No, I thought you could get rid of him. Because you're so big and so brave and you know how to do everything. Well, I don't know how to get rid of a cat. Oh, maybe I can scare him away. Critic. Well, I'm going to throw something at him. Oh, that won't do any good. Well, it might. Let me try. There. My gosh, she stopped. What did you throw at him? Our cat. Good night, George. You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Watch for Lucille Ball in the Columbia picture Miss Grant Takes Richmond. And be sure to listen to Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband again next week Presented by J-E-L-L-O, oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tapioca puddings. Yes, sorry. Listen again to Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband next week. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Life of Riley, followed by The Whistler. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.